Because it's in the middle of our faith is where it gets dark. It's in the middle of our faith where it gets scary. It's in the middle of our faith is where it gets lonely. Hear me. It's what I'm noticing is that our word for the year is, is drawing closer to God, but also drawing closer to each other. And all throughout the story of Abraham from 11, Genesis 11 through 25, come on family, um, we see how Abram uh, turns into Abraham eventually, how he draws closer to God, also drawing closer to people throughout his journey. So I hope for these next several weeks that this word from God will be a blessing to you. And um, I, the, the beautiful thing about um, the story of Abram is that I, I love um, Abram's humanness. That's what I love so much about the story of Abram. Um, I love watching his faith go from, woo, Lord, let's do this, to woo, Lord, I don't know about this. Um, I, I, so I just love just observing uh, the humanness of Abram. So I, I hope today... Um, as, as we rally around um, this idea of what happens to our faith when we're in the middle of something and how we can work through that. So if you've got a Bible today, come on, somebody, go with me to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to be picking off from where we were last week. Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 10, and as you guys know, I am an expository Bible teacher, and I don't like to read one verse and talk for 40 minutes. I'm, come on, somebody, I'm a go, come on. We're going to, I like to go line by line. So you can go home, you can apply it to your life, you can apply it to your heart. The preacher didn't just say something because it sounded good, because it was biblical. Come on, family. Um, so I said from the very beginning that we don't want a Bible illiterate church. Come on, family. We want to be a, a church that's strong in the Word of God, who knows the Word of God, because that's how you combat the enemy. You don't fight the enemy with fleshly things. You fight it off with the Word of God. Amen? For man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Come on, somebody. Um, I'm preaching for I even read something. I'm a slow, I'm a, I'm hype, I'm hype. All right. <laughs> that ain't even what I was going to talk about. Okay. All right, family. I love y'all. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10. I'm continuing uh, from last week. Genesis chapter 12. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. If you have something that reads a little bit different, that's completely okay. I got two really big Bibles to the left and right of me. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. It says, at that time, the time of when Abram He's not departed and he's left with God. This is where they are. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. Scholars say that even though Sarai was roughly 70-something years old, 75 years old around this time in the text, um, that, that her beauty was just as beautiful as Eve's. Come on. Um, so she was good looking, and he knows that. <laughs> it says, when the Egyptians see you, they will say that this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. Verse 15 says, when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarai was taken into his palace. Now, I want to make sure that we're super clear in the text today that back in biblical times, 
when you would take somebody as your wife, that man would sleep with that woman, and that would, and that would be his wife. You claim them as your wife. So as I'm going through this text, I'm realizing that Abram was cool with this king sleeping with his woman. Ooh. Ah. A lot of people miss that in the text. But it's in there. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. I bet you he did. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Verse 18 says, so Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. If this is written in 2023, uh, Pharaoh cussed them out. Come on. <laughs> says, what have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Hmm. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Does huh. Pharaoh order some of his men to escort them? And he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. Last four verses, family. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Verse 2 says, Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. Verse 3 says, from the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai. Don't miss this, family, where they had camped before. If these places seem familiar to you from last week's scripture, they are because they're returning back to where they started. This was the same. Don't miss that. The same place where Abram had built the altar. And there he worshiped the Lord again. I want to speak to you from this title in week number two of our Closer series, There's Fear in the Middle. There's fear in the middle. I'm feeling churchy today, family. Look at your neighbor and say there's fear in, in the middle. <laughs> Will you pray with me? God and Father, we thank you right now for who you are. We thank you for your word, for it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Father God, everything that comes out of my mouth, let it be of you. And what needs to be muted of silence, Holy Spirit, tell me to do so. We ask that you move in power. We demand freedom in the name of Jesus by your word. It's by your stripes we are healed, we're saved, we're blessed kept. So we say thank you. God, we give our hearts to you today. Would you break hearts that are hard today? 
will you soften minds that have been strong against what you've been trying to say? Would you touch our lips when we have been so quick to speak, but not but slow and moving and being obedient to your word? The Holy Spirit move today. Let your power be felt. Let your presence move mountains. And may our minds be renewed by your word today. So God, we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Family, today as we journey further into the story of Abram and his family, we will see that there is one thing to step with God. We'll see that it's one thing to hear from God and to have faith to leave behind things that God has asked you to step away by his power. But when you leave a place spiritually, or when you leave a place mentally, physically, or emotionally by faith, hear me, don't miss this, there will always be testing and trial on the other side of that decision. And the truth about testing and trial is that when the trial gets unbearable and the crushing becomes overwhelming, our familiar way of living looks more attractive, looks more attractive or more attractional than where God is calling us to. Why? Because it's in the middle of our faith is where it gets dark. It's in the middle of our faith where it gets scary. It's in the middle of our faith is where it gets lonely. Hear me. It's because fear rises in the middle of our faith in our most difficult circumstances. It's in the middle, come on somebody, where you have the urge to call your toxic ex back in the middle of the night. Come on. <laughs> it's in the middle where you're, where you're moved to, to step back into old addictions that once had you bound, even though you found freedom. It's in the middle where you make hasty decisions because you thought that the grass was greener on the other side, but you realize ain't nothing but headache on the other side. So Abram is literally in the middle of departing from a situation that God has called him to when he's finding himself in the land of Canaan, but now a famine has come and it's forcing Abram and his family to go down to Egypt where they live as foreigners. So there's a famine in the land that Abram was called to by God. Now, hear me, Abram was not wrong for being concerned about what was happening in the land and being able to feed his family. But however, Abram was wrong for thinking that God could not provide for him in the need in the place where God has called him to live. Come on. Because remember, it was God that called Abram to the land of Canaan, never to Egypt. And Abram, come on somebody, like so many of us, we find it easier to trust God for the far off promise rather than the right now need. So we begin to, to plead with God for provision over something, we begin to have anxiety over something and plead with God for 
season over something that he ain't even ready for you and I to experience yet. So we grow weary and we go fearful in getting caught up, come on somebody, with where God wants to take us instead of trusting God for the provision that we need right now. Write this down. Keep your eyes on the promises of God, but don't ignore his provision for you today. Let me say that again. Keep your eyes on the promises of God, but don't ignore how he's providing for you and I right now. Let me say it this way. Stop allowing fear to blind you of God's goodness. There we go. <laughs> the Bible says that, says that the famine forced Abram to go to Egypt. Now, nowhere in the text anywhere does it say God told Abram to go to Egypt because of the famine. Watch this. So Abram is in his natural flesh, state of mind. He heads to Egypt so that he could avoid the test of the famine. And he believed that this one small minor action was all right because it could cause no harm. And what fear does in the middle of our faith is that it gets you and I to make hasty decisions that seem like they ain't that bad. Come on. <laughs> and this is what happens with fear in the middle of our faith. This is what it does. Fear in the middle of our faith can take a white lie and turn it into a lifestyle. Come on. Fear in the middle of our faith, can take something that was so small and turn it into a disastrous issue. Fear in the middle of our faith can take a worry and then spin it into mental suicidal thoughts. This is what fear does in the middle. And at the end of the day, when fear shows up in the middle of our faith, we will find ourselves, come on somebody, trying to outdo God without even knowing it. How? Come on. By trying to replace his will with our fearful motives. Woo, come on. I heard a financial advisor say on the news the other day, he says um, unnecessary debt causes unnecessary stress. <laughs> and what I found out to be true that as a Christian, um, it's that unnecessary steps outside of God's plan for my life brings unnecessary baggage. Come on, help me. It's the unnecessary steps that cause unnecessary anxiety for me sometimes. It's, it, it, it's the unnecessary steps um, that cause me to have unnecessary depression at times. It's the unnecessary steps that have caused unnecessary sadness in my life sometimes. Come on, can we be honest this morning? Come on, come on, come on, let's talk about it. If we can open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit today, he's going to work on us. It's the, it's, the, it's the unnecessary steps sometimes in my life that has caused unnecessary anxiety. It has been the unnecessary steps in my life outside of God's plan for my life that has caused unnecessary wasting of my time. Come on. Though God, let's get back to the text, blessed and protected Abram in Egypt, he still came away with a whole lot of stuff he ain't need. Come on. Think about that. He was rebuked and sent out Egypt by a pagan king who had no relationship with God. He also allows the king, allows Pharaoh to sleep with his wife. Come on, somebody. That causes unnecessary affliction. 
So a lot of the time, our faith is not hit by life's hardships. It's destroyed by our fearful choices. Come on. Come on. Come on. It, 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 it is because of our fearful decision making. It ain't because life was hard. No, no, no. You just made a dumb choice out of being fearful. Come on. Come on. Let's open up our hearts today. Come on. This is, come on. This, let's get back to the text. This is what it says. It says Genesis 12, 11 through 17. L- let's look at it. It says as he was approaching the border of Egypt, approaching, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are very beautiful. He understands this. Verse 12 says, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. Okay. Verse 13 says, so please tell them you are my sister. Don't miss this. Then they will spare my life. Come on. <laughs> then, come on, this is what it says. Then they will spare my life and treat me well. Come on. Because of their interest in you. Come on. Verse 14 says, and sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. He know what he had. Come on. Come on. Verse 15 says, when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Last few verses. It says, then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Okay? Sheep, goats, cattle, male, female don- and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Last verse. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because, because of Sarai, Abram's wife. God was not in any of this. So now we have Abram sensing potential danger in the place that he was not even called to go to. And he's scheming, and, he, and, and what he's doing is he's building a scheme that's born out of fear. And by doing this, he's throwing God's promise into jeopardy, into jeopardy. So, out of fear and out of being out of alignment with God's plan, he begins to tell his wife to tell a half-truth. Why is it a half-truth? It's a half-truth because Sarai is actually Abram's half-sister whom he married. Come on. Let's, let's go forward in the text so that this can make sense. This is what he tells King Abimelech about his wife in the text. It says this. It says, Abram replied in Genesis 20, 11 through 13. Abram replied, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will, get, and, and will kill me to get her. And what does it say? She really is my sister. Come on. Huh. For we both have... The same father, but different mothers. And I married her. Verse 13 says, when God called me to leave, when God, when, when God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor. Wherever we go, tell these folks that I'm your brother. Now, why is this important? It's important because half a truth, come on, somebody, it's still a whole lie. (laughs) 
And God has never called any man or woman to a place where, he, where they should lie in order to fulfill his promises that he set before them. Hear me today. God ain't never going to call you to a place where you got to lie on his behalf. Write this down. Fear will convince you that your sin is approved by God. Have mercy. Come on, let's do this. Come on, I'm going to say it again. Fear will convince you that your sin is a, come on, whoo, I feel this thing, that your sin is approved by God. Abram has departed by faith, but it's his fear, come on somebody, that is getting the best of him in the middle. Come on. So he's grabbing for loopholes that are lies in hopes that God will bless his disobedient behavior. Come on. Let's talk about this. Because Abram's out of fear was clearly to deceive the people of Egypt. Come on. We see this in the text. He thinks about this very well and clear before he even enters the land. And he trusted that his deception would protect him and not God. Ooh-wee, I've been there before. Come on. I have had good intentions wrapped up in the wrong things. Come on, somebody. Ooh, my gosh. I have wanted to do a whole lot of stuff wrong, knew it was wrong, but found good reasons to do it. Hear me. <laughs> Hear me. And if, come on, and if y'all won't be honest, if you, can't, if you can't think of good reasons to do something dumb, the devil is more than willing to tell you some good ideas about why you should do it. Come on. Because the enemy loves nothing more than for us to hold on to lies that drown out the truth of God's word. Come on, somebody. Which then, watch this, which then motivates you and I to find comfort in our sin. Come on. This is, this is what happens when we're in the middle of fear. Let's get back to the text. Abram is headed into a volatile land, remember, by choice. He's walking into enemy territory, culturally knowing that a husband could be killed for his wife. But, what's, but like we looked at this earlier, but what's interesting to me is that he was willing to put his life on the line so that he could receive good gifts and better treatment in exchange for his wife. I don't want us to miss that detail. It's not so that we could pick on Abram, but come on, but I want us to understand very clearly that, what, that the fruit that fear can bear. Because fear could turn the most faith-filled person into a selfish person. Come on. Fear can turn the most loving person into a most anger-filled person. Fear will have you evaluating whether or not your past is better than your future. Come on, somebody. Abram is literally, he literally hears the voice of God. So he understands very well that he and his wife are a part of God's redemptive plan. He's not confused on this. So he understands just how serious this whole thing is. And by giving his wife to the king, he opens up an opportunity for her womb to possibly be defiled by the king. Now, which could mess up God's plan because Jesus would eventually come from Sarai's line of descendants. Now, and when I read this, it made me realize, come on somebody, that we don't fall short of knowing God's promises for our life. We fall short of believing that it will act come true. Come on, somebody. 
This is what this is what fear does in the middle. So out of fear, come on, somebody, if we will be honest, um, I would rather do things in my own timeline because I think that God's promises somehow for my life got a stopwatch. <laughs> and what frustrates me personally about fear, um, it, it, it personally stresses me about fear, is that I believe that my rushing will somehow propel me forward, but it always takes me back to where I started. Write this down. Trusting in fear sends you backwards, not forward. Not just believing in it, not just knowing about fear. I said trusting, trusting in fear sends you backwards, not forward. This is what the text says. Genesis chapter 12, 19 through 20, it says, why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Interesting thing about this interaction with the king is that the king is just like, well, Abram, you just, just told me the truth. Come on. <laughs> now, here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. Verse 20 says, Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram, come on, out of the country along with his wife and all of his possessions. Here's the good news. God blesses. And rescue Sarai, even though Abram still didn't do what he was supposed to do. Now, God, he continued to move, even though Abram lied out of fear and rebellion. So God, he, he never calls his promise back. Because the promise being fulfilled was never dependent upon Abram. It was always dependent upon God. That's what happens in the rescue. So even in all of our mistakes... Where God wants to take you to is, hear me, is always dependent upon him, not you and I. So God, in all of his grace, God in all of his favor, God in all of his mercy, gets them out of this situation. But at the same time, he does not, watch this, but at the same time, he does not send them forward. They actually go right back. Come on, somebody, to where they started. Don't miss that. He, he does not propel them forward out of their disobedience. They actually still go right back to the place where they started. Because God is in the business of growing our faith in him. He is not in the business of giving us more confidence in our fear. Come on. And faith growing requires you and I to learn how to depend upon God in every scary, fearful circumstance. Come on. This is what the text says in Genesis 13, 1 through 4. It says, Abram left Egypt, traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where, come on, say it with me, where they had camped before. Come on. This was the same, come on, say that with me. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar and, ooh, watch this, and there he worshiped the Lord what? Come on. There he worshiped what? The Lord? So now Abram returns back to the land that was promised to him in the first place. 
Come on. He goes back to the same place where he pitched his tent from the beginning. And even though Abram came back from Egypt with a whole lot of stuff, with a whole lot of silver, with a whole lot of gold, a lot of great riches, he still returns back to the same place as before, just with a lot of stuff. He was right back to where he started because his, watch this, because his time in Egypt was still wasted time. So, could we justify Abram's reasoning for going back to Egypt by saying that God is good enough to show when we disobey? Sure. But what I want you to understand today is that there will always be cost built into disobedience. Don't miss that. Is he good enough to rescue us because of, his, because of his sovereignty, because of his goodness, because of his plan? Absolutely, but there's always still cost built in to disobedience. I use the word built in because one of the female servants that Abram gets is actually his servant Hagar. And eventually in the future, he sleeps with this woman and disobeys God with her. Woo, come on. So though we thought Abram walked away with a whole lot of stuff, he actually gets excess baggage along with somebody he's going to sleep with in the future and make a mistake. That's why I said there's always cost built into disobedience. Don't miss it. If you skim this text really quickly, you might miss that minor detail, but it's super important for us to understand that though we might think we got away with something, there's still cost built in to disobedience. Hear me, because if there was not cost built into disobedience, then we could just keep doing what we want to do then. If, 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 there were, if there was no error in our disobedience, we'll just keep on being disobedient then. So though Abram walked away with gold, riches, and everything else, he also walks away with more of a problem without even knowing it. He leaves the altar and goes to this place. Abram left a place of worship that caused others to sin also. Abram also leaves a place of worship that went to a land for a while where it also made him separate from his family being broken up for a while. Fear made Abram just that much more comfort and more comforting and more strong in his ability to lie and less than God's protection over the power of his life. Here's the bottom line. Stop giving your heart over the fear in the middle of your faith. There it goes. Stop giving your heart over to fear in the middle of your faith. Abram goes back to the altar he built because he's standing part of hearts that fear can't have his heart. If, if, He's going to fully trust God. And I, and, 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 and I don't know who this is for. Because somebody has given, more, has given fear more power than they have God. Somebody has given their children over to fear in this room.
somebody has submitted their mind over to fear. Somebody has submitted their life over to fear. Somebody has submitted their spirit over to fear. Somebody has submitted their bodies over to fear. I don't know. Come on, somebody. I don't know who this is for. But somebody has been walking and trusting in fear, not God. I love what Paul writes to Timothy in one of my favorite scriptures where he's just encouraging Timothy to, to fan into the flames of preaching the gospel, but I, but I find it to be so applicable in many different areas of our life where he says, for God does not give you the spirit of fear. But, a, but the power of love and of a sound mind is, and no timidness attached to it. So, so, so the question that, that's, that's churning in my heart today is, if, if, if God doesn't give you and I the spirit of fear, then where does it come from? If, if, if God doesn't, do, we see this in the text, we see that God doesn't dwell in the place of fear. So as believers of Jesus Christ, whose blood bought, why do we dwell in such a place? You know why? We dwell in it because we have this obsession with making sure that we're going to have control over everything God does in our life. Well, God, uh, ooh, I'm, 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 in, I'm, I'm fearful right now because I don't know what's going to happen next. Come on, come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, I am in fear because I don't know how it's going to work out next week. I'm in fear because I've been sick for a really long time and I'm not quite sure what God is going to do next with me. I'm in fear because, whoo, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills next month, though God has did it this month. I don't, ooh, I, ooh. Um, and, 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 what, and, what I'm, and what I'm learning is that, especially in my own life, I'm, I'm learning that fear, just, it just, it motivates me to disconnect from God out of haste because I want to do it my own self. <laughs> That's what it gets down to. I'm, because, because I'm realizing that, 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 when, that when fear bears fruit, hear me. Not all fruit is good fruit. So when I'm looking at the fruit that fear bears, so much comes from that tree that ain't from God. Because fear, it, it's attached to guilt. You have you feeling guilty. Fear, it, it, it's attached to anger. It'll have you feeling angry all the time because you're scared. Fear, it could, it'll have you attached to anxiety because you're just trying to figure out what's going to happen next and I got to be in control. It's a t fear, it's a, whew, fear, it's, it's, a, it's attached to, fear, it's, it's, it's attached to depression. 
hear me. Not all depression. I understand that there are some chemical imbalances in some of our brains and our bodies, and we have to take medicine, and God has called doctors to work it out. Hear me. I, I, I'm for therapy, Jesus, and medicine all day long. Come on, somebody. Come on. But what I'm talking about is a situational depression. Because of a choice that you made was silly out of fear, now you're depressed about it. Spirits, it's attached to so many different things. Because we're just, we're so obsessed with controlling life's outcome. And this is it. This is it. I hope this is going to set somebody off for 2023. If Jesus has your heart, then fear can't stay in it. If Jesus... Um, and, I, and, I, and I was tossing and turning all last night thinking about this word because it's for me. Come on. Woo. Because if I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, nowhere in the text does it say that I'm supposed to believe in my heart and also attach it to fear. So, so, so I'm not living to get to a place of being delivered. Come on, somebody, I am delivered. Amen, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not praising for a breakthrough. I'm praising from a breakthrough. I'm, I'm not praising for glory. I'm praising from a place of glory because God is glorious. Come on, somebody. Let's be, we got to be fear. We got to be free of, free of, free of fear. Because it's, it's, it's fear that keeps us in toxic situations. It's, it's, it's fear that keeps us in mental... It's fear. When I, when I trace every single thing back in my life and I find it to be in a dark place, it's always attached because I was scared of something. So what won't you let go of that you're afraid of letting go of? There it is. There it is. And when you walk out of here today, whether you're the beginning and you got all of the faith in the world to go start that business, you got all the faith in the world to go start that YouTube channel, you got all the faith in the world to go write that book, you got all the faith in the world to go after everything God's going to hear me today, right in the middle of it, you're going to get scared. Because fear is not in the beginning, it's, it's ooh, it rises in the middle. It rises in, it, ri it rises in the middle. So just where you are today, will you lift a hand to heaven with me? God, you see every single hand. You see every heart that is surrendered to you right now. In the name of Jesus, will fear fall off of them? Will you cover them as they follow you when fear sets in? Will you protect them when fear sets in? Will you give them the wisdom, not earthly wisdom, will you give them the godly wisdom from you when fear sets in? When fear sets in in the middle of their mind, when they have to go and have a tough conversation with somebody that is going to break a generational stronghold, in Jesus' name, will you be with them? In the name of Jesus, I hear chains breaking right now. Fear falling, fear bowing. 
Not in the name of the world, but in the name of Jesus. For you don't dwell in this. You don't dwell in fear, so neither should we. So we ask you boldly in the name of Jesus as we approach your throne, God. We ask for courage as we walk through fear.